This is Nine Year Gap, and I'm your host, Robert Barbro. I hope you've had a wonderful week. I had a crazy weekend. It wasn't crazy, but it was a bit different. I had the very first experience of working on the technical side of a concert, an online concert. I was behind the desk doing the live broadcast for a Mozart concert for Miele Canto, my wife's music and production company, having to move live footage to slideshows, making sure the sound was coming out okay, balancing multiple software. It was a, a little bit hit and miss for me, but overall I was happy with it. Every day I'm learning new skills and a lot of it has to be software-based because everything's online at the moment. Well done to the artists involved in the concert. Really sterling effort in these crazy times of COVID. Everyone was really ready to embrace this new type of concert. If you've been enjoying our show, please subscribe to our socials to make things easier. They can all be found on our link tree. Just search link tree at nine year gap or go to robertbarbara.com and go to the podcast page. Feel free to leave comments or maybe even a review on your favorite podcast apps. We're literally on pretty much all of them. Spread the word as, as there are so many great guests and stories coming up on nine year gap. The latest observation in my life is the fact that people are starting to really communicate how they're being affected by this constricted living situation. And for me, it was the initial shock of having no work. But over time, there is this really serious shadow being cast over me. It's, it's a difficult time, but look, I want to flip it. So I'm using this time to work out how can we contribute to this world, right? What are my strengths and how can I soldier on? Today's guest, James Summers, not only is he one of my closest friends, but he's a real trooper who finds, or better still, demands opportunity, new opportunities. He's a successful shipping broker, but he has all sorts of jobs up his belt and we'll hear all about it. We we may not agree with uh, each other about the issue on pineapple and a pizza, right? The, he the heated debate uh, will be found at the end of the interview, but this fighting attitude, worldly insights, and tell it as it is attitude make him not only a joy to listen to, but he's an undeniably wise man. Let's get to the chat now. Hello, James. Good afternoon, or well, good morning, my friend, due to the time difference in London. How are you? Good, sir. It's good morning. I actually tried a new coffee today, so I bought something from my old city of Milano, and oh, I nice. feel like I'm I'm actually in Milan this morning, so it's pretty good. Was it just the Milano coffee or like what type of coffee was it? Was it like Colombian, Ethiopian, Arabic? Like, what was, uh, was the type of coffee? I think you've caught me off guard there. I don't know the source uh, because I don't know, but Italian coffee tends to be the in you know, 100% Arabica bean. So I can tell you the type oh. of bean, but I can't tell you who grew it, which is a shame. Um, yeah, I've gone to the old Un, Dos, Tres, Colombia at the moment. I'm on oh, the old uh, Colombia. the Colombian coffee, yeah. But the key is actually the brewing, which I never realised. I was always one of those people with tea and coffee that do like a couple of dunks in with the bag and then, you know, spin it around for two seconds with a spoon and then just drink it. And now I've learned, I've learned the ways of the world that you really need to like get it all absorbed in and, you know, swivel around for a couple of minutes and then you're good to go and the taste is so much better how are you having your coffee these days oh it depends depends on what type type of uh day it is and it depends on what time it is so the morning i'm like a you know like a latte something light 
Um, then during the day, I like to have it maybe a little bit stronger because, you know, you hit like that 3 p.m., you're getting a little bit tired. In the back of your mind, you're like, oh, my gosh, like I've got a couple of hours of work left. I've got like another couple of hours at home. I've got to get everything done. I need a little bit of a, a little bit of a kicker to get me through, so I'll go stronger. And I'm a big fan of uh, when I'm out and about to have like the sort of short black or dare I say, and I'm sorry to the Greek listeners, the Turkish coffee. I like the Turkish coffee as well. It's always very, very enjoyable. But I like to have fun. I like, I like to call it Turkish coffee around Greeks, and I like to call it Greek coffee around Turkish people. I only do that because I just want to see the reaction. I just want to yeah, see Yeah, I know. Well, uh, yeah, look, look uh, I hear that you're trying to get into law, buddy, but if you want to get into the United Nations, you might need a bit of a different tact when it's coming to how you're presenting coffee. <laughs> well, what did they say in The Simpsons? If it's brown, drink it down. If it's black, send it back. So, I mean, that's you know, it, mate. That's right. and that was in reference to the water system in Springfield, wherever that is. Actually, I think it is a real place, but the one in The Simpsons is not real. Yeah, I know. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Because you're always growing up as a kid and you just, that's like, that is part of your childhood. Like, I remember it used to be on, uh, the cable TV on Sundays, 8am till 12, and you were just watching it the whole time. And then, yeah, like you said, it is make-believe, but how uncanny is it that they just predict everything? They did. Like, they predicted so Trump, didn't they? Yeah, but no, but they predict, like, they predict everything. Like, I don't know. I don't really believe in the conspiracy theories. I have very good friends that do, but uh, no, it's still a little bit weird that you've got a knack of just as a writer, seeing the future as it unfolds, so to speak. And speaking of the future, did you – I mean, we met a long time ago, our first day Can of university. Can we say let's say let's, – let's just say, I think um, – When did the bromance com- commence? <laughs> ooh, 16, six, 16 years ago at Anthropology, Anthropology my first class at university. Yeah, mine yeah, too. So, so to let the listeners in, um, my – Two very best friends is yourself, right? Yeah. And also my other friend, Alex, and they're both from the same class at university, anthropology, first semester, and actually ties back into coffee because I didn't drink coffee till I finished school, mate. I started drinking coffee when I started university because it was – you had to get up pretty early in the morning and, and head down and – yeah, Drive, drive not, good, old, good old North Road. I oh, know, and I'm not a morning person. Like, I just – when I get up in the morning, I've got to play music for, like, at least 10 minutes, and I dance, I get my boombox out, I just put it full blast. Get your boombox out? Hang on, we went to uni in the 2000s, not not the 80s. <laughs> oh, man, it's still cold a boombox. I even call my little portable speaker a boombox. I'm a hip-hop head, man. Okay, I me, still me am. I'm a huge hip-hop head, but, yeah. But anyway, so that's how I started the coffee, and that's how we met. And, uh, yeah, the Nefertiti as well, you know? Oh, yes, we had the a student. Old, uh... Uh, she looked like Nefertiti, and as – as a little bit more shy young men, we were oh, quite, shy, yeah. quite enamoured. Uh, but uh, the audience uh, probably wonders what we're talking about now. But you see, this is the vibe that you get when two old friends get together for Connect. a Skype chat on a podcast. Halfway across the world. That's well. right. We're going to bring this audience into our world a little bit. But uh, why don't you tell us what you've been doing lately? Like, where are you at with work and career? Yeah, of course, mate. So in terms of work... Uh, just a brief background to the people. If you look at everything in your life, right, you look at the house that you live in, it's made of cement, it's made of timber. 
you look at the cups that you use. It might be from France or it might be from China. You look at your cars that you drive in, it's steel that is required. So everything that you have is made up of what's known as commodities, commodities being uh, grains, cement, iron ore to make the steel and whatnot. Now, we go about our lives, right? doesn't matter if you're living in the middle of Kurdistan or I had a few, you know, listeners on my podcast to if you're listening to America in the middle of New York. Material things formulate the life that you live, right? Even your consumption of the glass that you drink your water out of in the morning. And to do that, you need people like myself. What we do is we're known as shipping brokers. It's divided in between oil for your cars and, you know, made in a lot of products, containers, uh, and then what I do is just known as dry bulk. So that's like wheat, uh, iron ore, you know, it's a dirty, dirty word, coal and whatnot. Oh, uh, and dirty. Yeah, dirty. they're very, very dirty word, coal. Uh, and so what I do is I'm the middleman between the commodity company and the ship owner. Okay. So what I've been doing is uh, in the midst of this massive chaos, I've been trying my very best to keep the world moving, right? Basically to keep uh, commodities moving, to spot border shutdowns, to navigate around that, to navigate around uh, quarantine issues and to navigate around everything else. So from the work front, um, that's been going on. Uh, We in Australia, uh, as Australians produce an enormous amount of grains, uh, obviously it's seasonal. The farmer has to plant it and grow it, but then once he's – Got it all ready to go, then he brings it down to the port and then people like myself will, on behalf of the grain companies, move it around the world. So in terms of what I'm doing at the moment, I'm just sort of getting everything organised for that. Uh, Thank God uh, that we had good rain over on the east coast of Australia. They went through a horrible drought for a couple of years and it's the first Mm, time that they've had it. Oh, that is good news. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's and it's like these farmers have literally been in a dust bowl for like three to four years, and then they've got amazing water and floods coming in, and now they've had a uh, a record harvest in history. You know, that's one of the funny. biggest harvest. Always, I'm always turning to you for the real news, as in trade and the, how the world is functioning, because the airtime for this very issue that you just spoke about is so slim, particularly this year. It's all been COVID, we're forgetting about everything else. You're forgetting about the regular, literally the regular Joe Blow. And and you're also forgetting about certain groups that are really important. Uh, and, and coming back to what you were saying about, like, what have I been working on at the moment, um, you know, moving commodities around the world, there is an enormous amount of people that work on ships, right? I mean, there's tens of thousands of ships Mm-hmm. Each each day, flown around. And the crews live in this, like, really small part of the ship. So coronavirus has actually become a, a huge, huge problem for shipping because a lot of the crews get infected. Uh, we've got an iron ore ship up north in Port Hedland. So, again, people that don't know Australia, it's on the west coast and it's right at the top of the west coast. The guys are COVID. Mm-hmm. They're caught it. It's gone throughout the ship. So now it becomes an economic consequence because, A, for the ship owner, what does he do? He's got to get the crew ready. Then he misses out on the business. Then legally, legally, he hasn't performed the business, so he has to find another vessel to do it. And then if he doesn't, then he's going to enter fines and everything like that as well. And then it's also where do you drop the crews off? 
So I, uh, you and I were born in Melbourne, Victoria, mm-hmm. right? And we're a prime example. You can't return from London to go see your mum and your dad and your family. Unfortunately I can't not. return from another state. I'm a four-hours flight. I can't go back home without proper documentation to get in. So when you look at that from a shipping perspective in terms of what's going on with me at the moment, I'm navigating all the different – trying to get the crews into different countries so they can change over, trying to get them so they can be repatriated back home to the Philippines or Singapore or India or wherever it is that they're from. So now you're becoming an expert in immigration law. Well, to a certain extent, yes, because – the thing about shipping is you try to explain to someone in really like layman's terms, like, hey, I'm the middleman between a guy that has commodities and a guy that has a ship. Or, hey, I'm like a stockbroker, but instead of selling stock, I sell space and ship, you know, trade spaces and ships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're involved in so much more because now you've got to understand, like, which which laws of the country is allowing migration for crews. You've got to understand within Australia – each port has a different quarantine rule. So some ports will say, oh, you could bring your ship in straight away. Others will say you have to wait for 14 days and then build on and, and, and so on and so forth. And then from that, you've also got to make sure that people are fed. You know, so Indonesia, Vietnam, you've got to make sure that people are getting their resources for their the batteries that they use in their electric cars, if you're talking about solar panels Mm -hmm. or if you're talking about windmills, windmills are done by shipping, right? So you've got to make sure that the ships are able to get into Australia. So what's what's that? A a diesel-powered shipping container is travelling and being used to transport sustainable, renewable resources. Is that what I'm hearing? No, you want to go one step further? I'll I had to get, I had to get that in there. I had to get that in there. If you want to go another step further, if shipping, if the ships, right, all the ships, the shipping community mm-hmm. was a nation state, it'd be one of the biggest polluters in the world. So now what they've done is that another change that we had coming in this year was uh, the change in the fuels that they use. Because beforehand they would be burning a like, like a soot, like a thick soot, yeah, uh, unprocessed oil, and now they've had to clean it, and now there's That's all good. regulations with discharging stuff into the ocean, and, and it's and it's really they've my hats off to them because they've put enormous amount into this whole environmental way, and then you, you see now the companies they want to be green as well. Mm. You know, so what about nuclear generators? Is that something that they're considering for shipping? The next step is going to be some form of uh, hydrogen or gas. Uh, LNG okay. gas. Virginia right. itself has its issue with the argument over over fracking, as I'm finding out as a shareholder of a company that's trying to develop in uh, New South Wales, yes. which is uh, near fracking. Sydney for people mm. listening. Yeah, that's yeah. a whole new kettle of fish. And again, I think the the news needs to talk about all this a bit more and inform everyone. But anyway, it's not a political podcast, but what's interesting to me about what, what's going on with your job, how is the community of shipping brokers changed during this COVID time in terms of all these other aspects that you guys need to work together to achieve? What's the difference? Interestingly enough, it hasn't really changed. It's changed me on a personal level. Um, How so? Very, very much so it's changed me on a personal level. First and foremost, from a health perspective. So my job entails enormous amount of entertaining. If you want to have a job where you party and you go out for all the fine restaurants and sport events and 
constantly out and about, then yeah, my job is, is, is absolutely the best thing for you to do in your life, bar probably working for a, uh, you know, a DJ and a Beatha. <laughs> On that note, uh, give us give us a an example of the most I don't know lavish activity that you've got you've been able to do as part of your business development and and uh, networking and all that. Probably one of the most spun out places I went to was Fiji. So for a couple of years, I was doing the Fiji sugar contracts to London. So when you put the sugar in your tea or you have you know, a couple of sweets out of the local supermarket, uh, I would have actually been the guy that was arranging the sugar to go in literally to London, just down the Thames, actually, to the refinery there. Uh, so you'd have to go, you'd go on business trips and you'd literally go through sugar factories and you'd see how uh, rum, like molasses, is made and you'd see how the sugar is processed from an actual plant. It's literally, it's essentially chopped up in this huge, like, it's like, you know, you see in the gardens here, you throw it into the mulcher. It's yeah. this massive mulcher. It's this huge like mulcher that goes in. And then it gets basically boiled. So there's these like cauldrons with this super hot water and heat that boils it and then processes it from there. And then you go into the warehouse before you ship it and it's just this this unbelievably raw smell of like burnt sugar. That sounds nice. Yeah, it's actually really, it's like, you're like, I don't want to go yet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm quite enjoying this actually. Yeah, your suit's got, you know, sugar lining when you leave. Yeah, literally, you know, and then other things you do, so you go to the sport events, you go to also uh, corporate music events as well. Again, that's, that's that's a very, very large part of what you do because as we'll discuss a bit later on, it's networking. So from that, the biggest change that I had with COVID was actually probably drinking less, <laughs> you know, and just maybe sort of focusing again on my on my diet and what, what I was consuming. I mean, mm, if I explain to you what me? I've got, a, mm. yeah, if I explain to you sort of what I'm doing at the moment, I've got one beer because it's Sunday night and it's a joy to speak to you. But then to put in perspective my new life change, I've now got blueberries and raspberries and uh, juiced with beetroot, orange. Activated turmeric. I don't know how turmeric got activated, but anyway, uh, and yeah, juices and that sort of stuff. I, I so think again, uh, uh, <laughs> it got a Fitbit or something. And- yeah, like what was it like? Let's get turmeric, turmeric. You know. <laughs> Actually, I don't know how they activate it. I, I know how they, they activate nuts. Uh, that process is pretty simple. Just you soak them in water, and then a lot of the toxins and all that other stuff get released. And then the theory is that it allows your body to absorb all the vitamins in an easier way. I don't know how they do that with turmeric, but um, it sounds delicious what you're having. As my mum would say, ask the, uh, James, ask the Google. Ask the Google. <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually, that's a really good jingle. That's a good jingle. Yeah, I, I think she should just like, I don't know, patent it. Ask the Google. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll give, I'll give her a call. She might be able to do something for the for the podcast. Absolutely. So that's what's going on in my life. And sorry, it took, you know, 20-something minutes to get there. But in terms of work and, 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 and just spending good time with family, really enjoying sort of being more healthy. And I, I promised my client I'd get more creative. So I've been doing my radio show. Yeah, plug that. So I'm on, yeah, 
I'm on an RTR FM in Perth uh, for my radio show. I do it on a couple of months and night on Saturdays. So if you go Good Times RTR FM, you'll see Jimmy Summers down at the bottom with a couple of things. And then I also do my podcast as well, which is Random Attractive Friends, uh, which you can check out on IG The Real LA21 and at Random Attractive Friends. Okay, yeah. very. Good. It's very recommended because uh, James goes. He he shows another side to his whole persona. The love ambassador. <laughs> He's the love ambassador. So he 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 is uh, definitely worth checking out because you'll you'll have a laugh and you'll learn the most random facts. I I, I love tuning in, as, especially when I just need to just tune out and get some randomness in me. And to get the, the soothing sounds of your voice for me um, connects us. So isn't that awesome that we live in this time where it's not impossible to just make a show and get your voice out there? Yeah, and, and full, full credit to what you're doing as well. I mean, your, Thanks, your journey and, and journeying with you, is, it's special to me. It is, it, it, and it's so special because I would say to people, your voice needs to be heard don't just go on social media and be like, I don't have 2 million followers, therefore I'm nothing. Or I walk into the office and I don't feel like I'm contempt. Or I live in society and, and I don't kind of quite fit in. Like, I don't fit in. I'm an oddball. But it's like let your voice be heard, whether it's through radio or through theatre or you're sitting in a meeting and speak up in the meeting and, and you know, be who you are and, and, and contribute to the society to try and make it better. Well, that's what I, I mean. I've been learning from you for years. Yes, you're 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 one of my best friends, but you've been a bit of a coach. Uh, I I remember calling you. I've called you from all sorts of places: Monte Carlo, um, cool, Milan, actually, yeah. uh, USA. Uh, I've called you from Korea. I've called you from everywhere. I've been on the road, and always you've helped guide uh, my thoughts. And now I'm actually finding my voice, and you have been part of the inspiration for me. And when you started doing your shows on on the podcast and radio, you know, I saw that anything's possible. You just have to pick up the phone and and ask the people, can I do this? Or you just have to look for the site, how do I start something, and just do it. Stop asking questions, and, uh, you know, that in conjunction with with, uh, my wonderful wife, Honey, you know, she somehow brought together a lot of the things that, that you've helped me with over the years too. So Amazing woman. A very amazing woman. You're very lucky, yeah. Thank you're you. Very, you're, very, you're very lucky to have such an incredible gifted person to not only support and guide. And I think that's a very important thing as well. Like That's sort of like the, the, the blessings that you kind of realize in life, mm-hmm. um, whomever it is. And when you find them, it uh, doesn't matter, you know, what, what gender you are or, or which way you pray. Like, you know, and you find that special person, whether it's love or friendship, you've got to really guide them and, and, and try and see try and see sort of what's best for them as well, I feel. Yeah, I mean, it's and as a constant, you have to keep feeding it. How has friendship played a part in, in guiding you? I've had on paper an amazing lot. Mm-hmm. I've had amazing parents, a very inspirational sister, um, when it came to how my friendships guide me in my life, I had kind of two ways of living. And I think that if you look at sort of beautiful family that's kind of overcome things and you look at friends, mm-hmm. 
the friends really guarded me. I was really bullied at school, so I was punching on with like 10 guys. I'd finish lunch, go outside, I'd have 10 guys circling me and trying to bash me all at once, and I had to fight my way out, right, like literally fist fighting. Then i go into the classroom, and then they'd be like, oh, you know, you're half Polish, you don't deserve to be in this country, so then they'd you'd fight some more and, you know, they'd abuse you and everything like that. Yeah. So from from there, that's where I learnt, like, core school friends still to this day that I'm very close with because they, they had my back, you know, when and, and I went through that from the ages of seven years old to the ages of 16 every single day, like every, every single day. day. Every day. My whole my whole childhood I just spent, like, basically fighting racism. Tell me, how did the boy from school who's – trying to defend himself, how has he used that fighter instinct in his current role? So tell me. Because when you enter business and when you enter the ability where you want to earn good money, when I say good money, I mean you're living in a good home, you drive a nice car, you go to the supermarket, you're not worried about like what stuff costs because you're like whatever. Mm-hmm, You'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, I need a couple of new clothes sure, or sure, I sure. can go on so holidays the good, or whatever. The good life, so, yeah. The good life. The right? comf- so the at good least life. The, the comfortable life at least, yeah. The comfortable life. Uh, again, coming back to what I was saying before, when you and I finished school, the dot-com bubble uh, happened in Wall Street, which I yeah. think was 01 off memory, right? That uh, 01, happened, yeah. So when mm. it, when it came to tech and mm-hmm. coding and gaming, and that for us wasn't really an option because we we're like, whoa, okay, like we don't we don't have smartphones. We were rocking like Nokia's or whatever it was back yeah. then. You know, we didn't really have a concept of coding. We didn't have apps. We didn't have on. We didn't have online shopping. I don't even remember online. No, shopping. I think I think at that stage, I think Netflix was still selling DVDs and uh, eBay was eBay was doing all right, and I think Amazon. Was it just was it just books just at that starting, stage? Yeah. Or? yeah, it might have been just starting in America, sort of thing. So we didn't really have we didn't really have tech. And then I wanted to be um, a pilot growing up. Really? Oh, like, okay. I, as a kid, wanted to be a farmer. Then I wanted to be a pilot. And then right up to about like year eleven, I think I went. The Air Force guy came to be like join the Air Force, and I mm-hmm. was like, I mean, if we're attached, sure, let's go. I'll give it a crack, but. Otherwise, what about commercial? And he goes, do you have 2020 vision? And I was like, no. And he goes, well, you can't be a pilot then. And I was like, oh, really? So then that was like 10 years of dreams just down the drain. And then I wanted to go into – I did Commerce University, International Studies and Politics. I wanted to be an international banker. I was going to go to London. Yeah. And I was going to start off like printing papers in the tea room of a bank and just out of pure curiosity see where I wanted to go, right? Then – Coming back to where did the fighting spirit come, once you kind of sort through and you eventually get into your profession, first of all, from the bottom, it's it's tough. It is tough starting out, man. And you got to have – it's not the fighting spirit. It's this belief that I'll get through it no matter if your chest hurts from stress, no matter if you feel like curling up in a ball and crying – no matter what happens or what's thrown at you, you're just used to it because you're like, I just, you know, it's like um, the emotional side comes in. That's like the first two fights and then I bang, bang, beat that. Then something else comes in. And so you're so used to that spirit of I'm going to get through this because I always have. That's That's what happens. 
The second thing is that I noticed is I tried very, very hard to get rid of um, the anger and the aggression that I had from fighting. I was a lunatic. I had to be. No, no normal person, uh, unless he's going to get his absolute head kicked in, can yeah. defend himself in such a situation otherwise, right? So I, I spent a long time like really trying to get calm. I'm a, generally, I'm a really, as you know me very well, I'm a very relaxed, happy, chilled out guy, right? Mm-hmm. So you would never know that side of me. But I also learned to work. Uh, sometimes you've got to stop the fear in God and people. They don't tell you this, right? And this is another thing. To the people that are teachers at school or at university, can you give some class and survival tactics in the business world? Because no one teaches you. Everyone brings you up with this whole utopia that's going to be fantastic and you're going to change the world. I thought I was going to have a park named after me, right? Didn't happen. But you need that finding spirit because you have to really sometimes be aggressive. And especially when you negotiate, there's times where you really got to be like on the verge of someone thinking that you're a nutter and you're going to walk over and get into an argy-bargy with them. It's to rattle them. It's to rattle them because it's like I've got to do what this guy's doing because he's not quite nuts. And then being having the ability to turn it on and turn it off and then what levels that I'm going to need, that's where that fighting spirit came in. And also because I'm in an environment where it's sink or swim. I'm in okay. a highly, highly, highly competitive environment. Uh, I'm based on how much I – earn in terms of revenue, and if I don't earn it, I work for a company, they'll give me maybe one year, otherwise they're out. I went through a psychotic boss when I first started, and I went through all retrenchments, and out of 12 people employed, I was the last one employed. Last one in my office. Two years, two years, two years of consecutive retrenchments. Now, this was, this was in? 2016. And this was in, in Melbourne? In Melbourne, I was. That's why I moved over to Perth. So I was the last person standing in Melbourne, and they said you've got the option of going to Perth. I going to Singapore, and I chose Perth for mining. So I actually completely and utterly changed my skill set. I started off doing the equivalent of like hiring out ships, which the easiest way to explain it to your listener would be: you go to a car, you go to the car yard and you rent your car on your holiday from Budget or Avis or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Hertz or whatever it is, uh, and the person behind the desk says, uh, "What type of car do you have? Uh, whereabouts are you going? Okay, it takes them out per day. Hire it out, pay me per day. That's the amount you get." So that's what I was doing for five years, and then I changed it around to completely being an extension arm of a commodity company. So I, so the trader will say, "I have a buyer in Indonesia." The buyer wants to have 30,000 tonnes of wheat at export. Uh, so he'll call me up and be like, Jimmy, you know, how much does it cost? And I've got to sit there with my calculator and I've got to make a call, basis what I think, that he may very well trade millions of dollars of commodities against. And I've got to do that within minutes, you know. So, so when you were trying to change skill set, was that something that there was an offer to take a job and it was clear what that would entail or did you have to go, okay, I want to actually apply for something or, you know, the role that you have now, did you know what you were getting yourself into? So I had the option of leaving the profession that I've worked for five years, work for a, a, a psychotic boss that was was basically yelling at me and trying to fire me and he, he caused like post-traumatic stress disorder <laughs> in people. Like he was just that nuts. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then what? And then what happened was that he left, and then my current boss, who is my mentor now, mm-hmm. um, my two mentors in life, apart from uh, my father 
and a, and a couple of like Sway, you know, that does his radio in, in America and some other cats as well mm-hmm. uh, in the music world. I have been uh, Indian slash Sri Lankan. So okay. my boss is my, – my, my first mentor that I had was a guy called Sunda, uh, and he was Sri Lankan Tamil. Okay. And when I was at university, I was doing accounting, and he just he just guided me. He was the one person I'm. He was the one person before my current boss that I met that was like he just wanted the best for the youth. Okay. And for you, like he just there was nothing in it for him. He just wanted to teach you, and he wanted to guide you, and he wanted to let you know like his experiences. And he gave me a key bit of advice. Uh, that would actually, when I was going through this firing, choosing my new skill set, where I was going to go, came in. And he said, I want you to one day, you're a young guy, take a walk down the beach or you sit down in the park or go to the cafe or pub or whatever it is and have a think, what do I want to do with my life? Mm-hmm. And then where am I heading? So when you look at the job that I had, I'm sitting in this situation. Everyone's been fired. They sit down and they say, basically, look, Jimmy, done a good enough job. You're young, but we reckon we can retrain you up to to do what it is that you're doing. Okay. Um, because at the way at the way that you're going, you probably got either a couple of years left in the game. Uh, at this is you know around when I'm about 30 years old, right? Or you're going to basically try your luck working within other parts of the industry, but you're, you're never going to really earn any particular type of money. You can't. The numbers don't add up. So let me just get this clear. It's We're, we're, we're in shipping at this point still, though. You, you had started in so shipping. So we're in shipping, yes. Yeah. So okay, we're in shipping. so just to so get the context to, there. To, so, to re, so to recap with the, the listener, I'm in Melbourne. The Melbourne office is shut down. Uh, upon shutting down, they've given me the option of either, well, either leaving um, or – Starting up a new skill set and then and then sort of moving on. Nice. Okay. So so I had this background of uh, my sort of Sri Lankan boss saying, well, where it is it do you want to go and what you want to do and pick it? I sat down. I probably I think it was I can't remember the amount. It was let's say thirty grand or whatever it was roughly um, that was the payout. And then I was talking my dad and I said, well, actually, what have going to South America for like six months just to clear my head because I'm so stressed with the work. And mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a young guy and I've just the whole concept of a work life career has been shattered with a with a with the boss that I had and 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 the worst recorded shipping market in history I had to work through and then I had to mm-hmm. work through all the troubles of multiple foreigners. Maybe I'll just take off. My dad was like, "Look, you know, son, I own a construction business. Worst case scenario, you come work for me, right? And we'll sort something out." I, as father approved, if you want to go travel, I did the same at your age if you need to clear your head, right? But then I thought, you know what? These guys over in Perth, they're the most successful business in the company or one of the most successful. They earn, like, good money, and they just seem to be, like, real professionals. And I travelled with a couple of them, and they knew how to pitch to clients, and I was like, hang on a tick. So from all of that, what I really figured out was that this is really where I want to head. Uh, and then I actually called up my uh, mentor, who was the person that introduced me to shipping. So the person that introduced me to shipping and the how I got into it, 
uh, and why it's important. It's very important. Is for two things. First of all, I didn't know what I was going to do because I was working in a manufacturing company for a year. Mm-hmm. I got the job off a mate literally, literally in Australia as we do in the pub because I couldn't get any work. And I had uh, tried to go into finance. The global financial crisis hit. There was nothing available. Again, you know, when you people in that were in futures banking, when you people that owned uh, financial managements, we had all the family connections. I went on to seek. Uh, I went on to all the websites yeah, to them, apply yeah. for jobs. All of them, all of them, didn't get anywhere. Came home, couldn't find a job. Dad was like, "Why don't you send it in the post to people?" Send everything in the post. Okay. Met all the top super guys and everything like that. Still didn't get a job, right? Oh, they actually gave you interviews. I met with like the head of super funds, like really? multi-billion-dollar super funds. Yeah, because basically what happened was I just sent a letter in the post addressed to each each CEO of all the hedge funds, superannuation funds, and whatever, and a lot of them actually met me. Out of pure, like, wow, this guy's got, like, this, this audacity to do it. But more so of just, uh, hey, I was once like you. I was once like you, Starnet. And unfortunately, there's no jobs. Otherwise, we would give it to you. There's there's none. We would have given to you for the fact that you're creative enough to just go, uh, you know, send a letter to me directly and with your CV and, and it worked. Um, but good luck. That's that was kind of the theme of good mm-hmm. luck. And then worked in manufacturing again, went through like internal politics and whatever. But thankful for the job, good people. But I'm I'm in the middle of nowhere. I'm driving forty kilometres to go to work. I'm doing an eighty kilometre round trip. I'm like just yeah, all right. I have the job for life, but it's the same amount doing the same thing and yeah, and, and whatever. Exactly, yeah. And so my girlfriend, whom I met at university uh, at the time, was like, I want to send stuff back to, to Nigeria. I want to send it in uh, containers and boxes and furniture and whatever. Mm-hmm. Can you get some pricing for me? Right? So then I'm like, yeah, okay, go online. I'm typing up pricing. And then for some reason, I'm like shipping. Oh, my best mate's. From school, my best mate from school once stood by me when I was getting bullied and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Just really nice guy, beautiful family. Yeah, right? probably probably one of the only people that I've seen that's been happily married. Apart from yourself, I will say I'm very happily. Of, <laughs> it's me probably, too, man. Probably one, probably <laughs> probably one of the very few people I've seen. And good home and and that's conser- right. And our folks, there's a lot around. There's a yeah, lot around. Cons- give give cons- hope to cons- the married. Cons- Oh look, my parents are happily married, but they tolerate each other, and they'll, <laughs> they'll tell you the truth. They'll tell you the truth as well, mate. They just, they just, you know, they put up with each other because they've already stuck it out for long enough. Um, so I, I literally, as I'm typing, I'm like, okay, well, what does this guy? What does he do? What does he do to get that lifestyle? And I'm sitting here and, you know, the dot-com bubble comes, so I can't mm-hmm. do tech. I don't know tech. I didn't pay any attention because it wasn't there. And just Global quickly, can I just uh, – so, so so for the audience, they um, – you actually studied economics and commerce. Is that right? Yeah, so I studied uh, commerce majoring in finance and then I also studied international studies and politics. So then basically that was my background. Yeah. Uh, and then because of the dot-com, because of global financial crisis, there was no work. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm trying to help my girlfriend send stuff overseas, I'm like, 
well, he's from a good family, this guy. I'll call him up and I'll, I'll see what he does for a job. That was it. That was that was so my ha- what, what, what else? Did you know that this guy was what he did? So he's as the, no. this is the dad of your friend. No, he- no. I, I knew I knew he was in shipping because the, okay. the weird thing the weird thing is Roberto is that the whole entire world is done by shipping, but no one knows really that shipping exists, and no one really knows about people like myself that that's what they do. Yeah, you know but what you're like. Just- you're kind of like shipping brokers are like uh, in Harry Potter. Where the magic is all around, but the muggles don't see it. That's exactly what you guys do. Somehow we wonder <laughs> how did this couch get in my living room, or how, how, how did this piece of fruit end up in my fruit bowl? No one realizes that the whole, no one. The, everything, all the stitching, all the all the link between everything is happening because of you, um, you know, you guys in the shipping Hogwarts, shall we say? Uh, yeah, is happening. So okay, People so like you've us. got. Yeah. You've got this uh, this guy. You've heard the word shipping from shipping. Yeah, yeah. amongst shipping, good family, happily married, mm-hmm. uh, very comfortable living, nice house and stuff. Okay, same profession his whole life. Okay, got really no idea what he does. Right, Some, something to do with mining. So what did you do then? So I called him up at his home, mm-hmm. and he goes, he answers, and I'm like, yep, good to see you. Yep, how's things? Yep, I'll put you under my son. Said, I know it's a really weird thing, but uh, I don't want to talk. I'll talk to you some later on. But can I come around to your house, or can I talk to you for a couple of minutes? Can I take your time out? Can you tell me what it is he actually do? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, excuse me. I'm like, can you tell me what it is that you do for a job? He's like, really? I was like, yeah. He goes, okay, fair enough. He goes, um, when are you free? When you're free, James? I said, uh, whenever we live. I live 100 metres from your house. Sit there, I'll come around. Come around uh, tomorrow night. It's a nice house. Actually, I, I think we've walked outside this house. Very nice place. Yeah. So, so, so it's, it's like come around, come around for a cup of, cup of tea. Right? Mm-hmm. They're old. They're old fashioned, right? You know, okay. so come around for tea yeah. and the biscuits and everything Very nice. like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, even even like the even like all the um the pots and everything they use are like all amazing designs and everything Ooh, like that. Yeah, that's yeah, side nice French stuff. It's a side, it's a side issue because no, I, no, I know you No, no, it's what we like aim for. Tea. Yeah, you know, there's yeah, nothing Yeah, I know you like, like your tea. You should, you should, <laughs> I, should, I should bring you around to introduce you to this guy because you would just love the tea set. So we sit down and he, and he to his credit, to his credit, he, he explains, Rob, he explains everything. Mm-hmm. He sits down with a, with a guy that is in his early twenties, early twenties, and as an older man, he goes right. This is how it works. This is what happens. This is the differences. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. A. That's your career. B. That's your career. C. That's your career. Do you do you really want to get up to sign a ship at three a.m. in the morning when it's freezing rain? It's freezing and raining. No. Okay. Cancel C. A. B. Right. Let's focus on it. Here's a book to read. Right, the books from like the books from like 1970 or something like that. Yeah, right? what was it? So I'm sitting, I'm sitting reading this book about how shipping oh, works, okay. and yeah. then, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, you, you know what? Why not? I'll go ask him again. So he sits down and he goes through everything, and he said something very important. Mm-hmm. He said, when you start, it's going to be really difficult. And he said, you're not going to earn any money. It's going to be hard. It's going to be long hours. You're, you're going to be like the young little lackey running around. Like, it's going to be very, very difficult. 
there's going to be someone that's going to help you. He's not getting paid for it. He's not getting anything out of it. In fact, you probably want to compete with him later on, right? But he's doing it because he he wants to have that mental role. And you, if you're going into this, you've got to do the same. That was what he said. Like, if you're going in and I'm putting the effort in and I'm putting my name for you and I'm giving you the recommendations and I'm giving you the companies and you're probably going to get a job and there's going to be another guy or another lady or another they that's going to mm-hmm. help you, you down the line need to pay it back. I said, yeah. Oh, great. He's laid it all out for you. Laid it all out. Went through ship owners, went through agency, went through broking, went through when I should expect to earn the money, how how to negotiate, how to develop a bit of kind of mongrel in you when you're negotiating and you can't be too nice because everything, every, everything. Did this happen, this happen in one sitting? This happened in probably two, two sittings, two, two sittings. to three sittings. All right, cool. Two, two to three sittings. I kid you not because this is like Hollywood. I'm walking out of his house, mm-hmm. right? It's at night. He's laid everything on the line. And I said to him, you've been in the industry for decades and yeah. you're very successful. Tell me, do you think it's worth it, me doing it? And he looked at me and he goes, put it this way. What else are you going to do with your life? <laughs> That's all you and, need. And, mm. and Roberto at the time what else was I going to do? I couldn't work in manufacturing. I couldn't go to London. I couldn't get any jobs in finance. I couldn't work in – I didn't particularly want to work in politics or for the United Nations. What What else was I going to do? They would have kicked stuck. you out of the United Nations <laughs> very quickly. Oh, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> I probably would have started yelling, Paul Scott, Paul Scott, Paul Scott, like yeah. charging other delegations as well. Well, but, also they would have gone, hang on, uh, there's a whole perspective here that uh, is um, – Probably the truth, but we can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't handle the truth, but yeah. So that's 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 how how I got into it, uh, and I, and that and 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 it's so important for people listening when you're going through your life. Just think, who do I know? What can I build on? And and <sighs> ditch the utopian the utopian view. Yeah, like, get real. Ditch the utopian. Mm. Yeah. It's like you can be utopian after work. You can have a utopian vision after work. You can go down to the local church or the mosque or you can mm-hmm. help out a charity or you can sing or you can have a podcast, but what are you going to oh. do for your work? <laughs> you oh, know, yeah, it's so – gonna... no, no, that's all right. Oh, no, we're sensitive microphones. But do you know what? That's so interesting you say let's get real and the stop with the utopia because, I mean, you and I have talked about – this issue, you know, the hours of material that we have in our chats over the years about what the world should be like. But anyway, I had that issue with my career all the time. Actually, it doesn't matter what job I had, where I think, well, it should be this way. Well, you know what? No one cares about how it should be. Just get on with it. It's, it's, that's, that's, and that happens in, even in the creative arts, in the performing arts. It's, it's the real world. So you have to suck it up. It's pretty. It's a, it's a big pill to swallow, isn't it? That's what comes back to what I learned from being bullied in the schoolyard, was just that it's it's real, mm. and you got to fight. And you have no, you have you look, you have great, you have great days. You laugh, like I said. You, yeah. I, I, you go out all the time. You travel. You, if it's not busy, you can kind of go home and 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 whatnot. But 
there's real periods of work, no matter what you do, doesn't matter yeah. if you've got, you know, like the, the bloke with the luggage company or the influencer for the patisseries, like doesn't matter what you do, there's times you've got to just dig deep and you've got to have that grit and you've got to have that fight. And then if you don't have it in you because of your genetic makeup or whatever it is, mm-hmm. find your coping mechanism. It also depends on the context you're in because I always thought I was bullied at school too. I was going, hey, boofhead, and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, love your hair, by the way. Sheep, thank you very much. Well, it's shorter now. I, um, let it go free. Honey, turn this mongrel into a bit more refined. <laughs> well, the thing is, if I ever get cast for Jesus Christ Superstar, uh, which is the greatest piece of, uh, theatre, I think, ever. But anyway, that's just me. Uh, the, it's pretty good. I like, I do like the, um, HMS Pinafore, HMS, you know and what? Ricardo, we'll and, yeah, and yeah. That sort of I've stuff. always wanted yeah. to do uh, um, Sir Joseph Porter, getting all getting all crazy uh, with that. But anyway, actually, you could probably do a good Sir Joseph Porter. Anyway, uh, I'm <laughs> just thinking that I the mistake that I made at the time of always trying to fight back is that a the school always returned my fighting back with detention. So then I never, I was desensitized. I never cared about getting detention. But the thing is, the lesson was never quite learned from my end that, okay, you, you're faced with adversity and you want to fight back. Okay, that's a great notion. Okay, I watched The Karate Kid about a billion times growing up. So I know what it's like to have to fight back. But I, I, I seem to have developed this thing that, even when you fight back, you're not really rewarded for doing that. And to me, are you though? Well, are I don't you know not rewarded because for doing it? well, not really because then you get ridiculed more. So, but but what I'm trying to work out is how do we apply that in the in the real world, the working world now, to say, okay, you have to pick your battles. You need to be smart with the words you use, but also, how do you fight back? And be respected for it. How do you do that? Because because it's not so simple. I think you can do it, and I think that the th- what what I learned, and if I was to speak to a young me, as they say, mm-hmm. I would say the reaction and don't react. Now, my current boss, amazing boss, okay, he actually took me aside and he took time where he would purposely try to roll me up. Purposely, purposely try to annoy me, purposely try to roll me up. Mm-hmm. Why? Because I reacted too quickly. That's why I got bullied at school in hindsight. I kept reacting. Same, same. You there know? you go. Yeah. And, and so, so it becomes either A, how do you manage your reaction, which is very important because when you do business that I do, you fail all the time. Yeah, yeah. All the time stuff doesn't work. So you've got to you can't be angry. You've got to deal with that mm-hmm. that that failure and that reaction. Uh and also you can't give the people the ammunition. So you're best to be like whatever bro, you know, like yeah, whatever man. Like cool. Okay. So my hair's real buffy like whatever. <laughs> Yeah. You, you, you can talk with your no hair and your balding man, you know, have fun. So the reaction is, is very, very important. Any tips on how you developed your reactions with your boss? Was he trying to uh, – was it more like burns and insults? How would he try to taunt you and then what did you do to stop reacting so much? Uh, the, the, the taunting, the taunting all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, it was – and, again, it was – 
it was known. He, it wasn't like he was doing it. He, he'd take me aside and he said, Jimmy, the biggest problem is in your life is that you A, you react too quickly and B, you think that – you basically think that people care, like that people <laughs> owe you something because – like <laughs> people owe you something because you went through a hard time at school. Like yeah. A, people don't care. Nobody B, cares. There's probably, Nobody there's probably yeah. someone – yeah, there's probably someone that went through even harder than you. Always. Right? Always, right? Uh, and, you know, as, as a person, I want you to grow as a, I want you to grow as a man and, and, and learn how to do it. So, yeah, it was a lot of taunting. You know, it's a PG Disney channel, so we'll, we'll keep it at that. But that was why. And then how did I learn? Uh, when you go out of your environment, let me ask you a question. How did you find when you went to, to – to Europe and you're living by yourself, did mm-hmm. you change? Did you become more of a man? Like how did that alter you as a person living outside of home in another country? Well, you know what? It's funny. I got to Europe. It was refreshing because I was by myself. I I had had experience living out of a suitcase, touring the States and, and uh, Europe anyway um, when I was singing with the Tentanas and all that. But then I was by myself and I had a vision so my destination was getting on an opera stage in Europe, and so I let that guide me. But you know what? I had a few situations, and they're embarrassing, but I talk about it because I, I, I share everything. I've got, I've got nothing to hide, is that I have been known to sort of blow up, and I blew up in... Um, as in as in vocally blow up or... or- what top as in up? as in have an outburst as in as in have a I don't want to say tantrum but I mean look your your Italian heritage of a yeah, Polish heritage it happens it's just these Anglo Saxons they don't understand the yeah, they're they more reserved they don't like understand the more reserved yeah. yeah the thing is and that's, that, that's nothing towards them that's the culture is very reserved yeah so I mean, they don't understand out what what's called outburst to you to to others in Australia to us is kind of normal it's just the way we are. Yes, yes, and no. I mean, because in Italy, uh, you know, I, I love Italian culture. Love, love working there. The people I worked with were fabulous. But the thing is that in Italians, if they're not manufacturing a product, right, like a coffee or a or a Fiat or something that is uh, artistic, that's made in in a yeah in in a fab fabrication environment. Or uh, they're cooking, right? You 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 watch Italians when when it is midday in Italy, and if they're lucky enough that they live close to home, the workers will go back home and they will somehow cook two courses. They may have a little tipple of wine. They may have some, you know, and they'll have time for another coffee. They'll do all of this from scratch within half an hour or something. Eat. And then they've got a time to just talk for a sec and just pause. They would be so organised. Everything else besides food and manufacturing, forget about it. Chaos. It, chaos. Yeah, and that chaos. includes the, th- yeah. the theatre world. It depends if you're in the high budget, they're a bit more organised. But still, I worked on some projects and I did a young artist program and, and I, I'm not going to name where I was at. You just have to go to my website to know. But the disorganisation, right, led to me wanting to hit my head against a brick wall. So it led to me having an outburst, right, and saying, this isn't right because you're wasting people's time. 
But the only reward for that was that then, okay, well, you want to be like that. You don't get the role that you want. You, you don't, you get, you know, f- let's just say fighting back from something that you thought was a wrong actually backfired. And that has happened a few times whilst being in Europe. And I had another outburst where I saw someone was being taunted by a director that I was working with, right? Who, who is a very nice guy. But all I did was try to defend the other person. And all it led to was me getting blamed, me getting punished. And I'm not saying this to get any sympathy. I don't, I don't give a, I don't care what anyone thinks about the way, if you want to defend someone, you should defend them. That's something you should do unapologetically. Thing is, <laughs> unlike some people, I may not have handled it as classy as I would have liked to. And all I'm saying is that in Italy, they love power. They like people with some sort of authoritarian figure. If you fight back against them, it will burn you most times, right? Which makes sense. That explains 1930s Italy. But the thing is, uh, 1920s, 1930s. So just building on what you were saying is that that is part of the reason when you were asking me about how did I, how did I develop because yeah. I don't deal well with authority either. That's why I clashed with the, my boss that was um, mm-hmm. more hot-headed is I – it's like, who are you to tell me what to do? You know, you're not God. You're not, you're not my mother, you're not my father, yeah, and you're yeah, not yeah. God. So if you're not three of those, then like, bring it. Especially if they're not, in your eyes, doing the role that they should be doing. If they're not, they expect a certain standard from you. And then when you see someone above you who is falling under that standard, you, you feel that you have to say something. And maybe that's part of being, you know, we were art students and we wanna, you know, we studied, we know about colonialism, we know about the world, we know about nationalism and the fall of cultural and language structures and, and the political systems that are manufactured by colonial powers and all this stuff, right? This is a real thing. It's well documented. There's nothing conspiracy related about it. These are the facts. The thing is that we can't bring our world views into the workplace. And so what what I'm interested to know is because I know your you type of personality. Cer- you can in certain you fields. You can in certain fields. I'm sorry to cut you off. So yeah, yeah, no, no, in terms good. of my pers- in terms of my personality, mm-hmm. my arts degree was incredibly important because I have to deal with everyone around the world and I have to understand them within seconds. I have to talk to an Indian or a Korean or I have to talk to a person in Saudi Arabia and understand them within seconds and then how to do business. And I'm a white, heterosexual male from Australia. I'm in current society three strikes out, right? Because <laughs> you, you mentioned the colonialism <laughs> and everything else. I'm three strikes out. A little bit, yeah, these days you could, you, could, you could make that argument, yeah. So, so then – the arts degrees because you 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 learn about people's culture mm-hmm. and you learn about things. So when you go to when I travel to Shanghai and I sit in the table and I'm the only you know uh, man like you <laughs> non Mandarin yeah non Mandarin speaking Chinese person yeah and so you sit you're sitting there and then you have this rapport because you mm-hmm. understand their history you understand their culture you understand what's going on and so when you speak to them right you don't speak down as what happens no, with a lot of western people you they can't speak do it, down no. to other cultures yeah exactly 
And so when you do business in the, the job that I'm in, because you're relying on everyone to do business, mm-hmm. that's why they're like, okay, he, un- he understands me. Like he understands what happens in Singapore. He understands there's a different caste system in India. Yeah. He understands the difference between Tamil Nadu in southern India and the northern provinces and, you know, whatever. So, yeah. And you learn from that and that's how you sort of do the business and that's how you connect. But then when you talk about um, issues with authority – you also have to understand issues of authority and, and, and issues of how you deal with people because whilst I individually can't deal with authority and I'll tell my boss where to go, mm-hmm. if I'm dealing in China where it's a more set structure, if yeah. I'm dealing especially in Japan and, and Asian countries yeah. or Respect even if I'm dealing in – Yeah, exactly. Or even if I'm dealing in places like you know South Africa or, or whatnot where there's more of a – structural hierarchy to the mm-hmm. way things are done, yeah. um, you can adapt straight away. Well, uh, you see, so then what What I think I failed to do in Europe, which I've now learnt, you know, like, man, I wish I had, if, if I was starting out again back arriving in Europe, it would be it would be different because the fault that I made in response to, let's say, the authoritarianism in Italy, Italian culture is actually something that I would have been able to address better had I understood the culture more. I mean, I'm Italian background myself, but Italians that come from Australia are not the same as the Italians that have lived in Italy since World War II and never never emigrated to America or Canada or Australia or wherever. It was so different though, Rob. It's a different thing. But the thing is that when you have that Italian culture – but then you grow up into the tall poppy world of Australia. Massive. But explain what explain what tall poppy is to the to the listener as well. well. So, so the tall poppy syndrome. The idea is that if you are succeeding, if you're a talent, or or maybe if you're someone that people may want to claim that you don't deserve some success or something, they'll try and cut you down. If you'll be a tall poppy amongst a field of of low flowers, so they want to chop you down to keep you down. The thing is that it should develop some strength in the person. And the, the funny thing is I've noticed that... Australians are resilient when they go overseas because of it. They're resilient when they go overseas, but sometimes they become a little bit resentful to Australia because they think, well, hang on, I wasn't allowed to grow there. And it, I mean, this happens with lots of cultures. That people end up having more success in a country outside of where they grew up. I mean, it's a, it's a normal thing. But the Australian tall poppy syndrome is quite strong. Um, and so it's interesting. You, but you also have to be aware of that when you do business. So exactly, when you do business exactly. and, and to tie it back – it's it's egalitarian. Mm-hmm. It's it's this really weird thing of a highly prosperous, wealthy country. Of course, we can argue it was the indigenous and founded by Europeans. That's a, of course, yeah, that's a side that's, yeah, podcast, that's... right? But we'll we'll raise it as a side podcast after nine year gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. After nine p.m. nine, nine year gap. gap. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but you have to be aware in international business that when I deal with people, and and what to me is like putting them down because people put me down every minute of the day. I can't take that to other cultures because if you take that to Japan, for example, they're not talking to you for the next three decades and probably your kids as well. You know, so you have to be. It's you true. Know, they have to be. It's true. They have a thing called honor, and that is you put that on top of of all the other aspects. Uh, you know what? Let's take from from what we're saying is that. 
cultural understanding, so our anthropology lecturers will be very proud of themselves, is so relevant to how we deal with business. It's how we conduct ourselves. And you know what? It By having the sensitivity to other people and their backgrounds and doing the research into it, it means that we cut through all the all the vines. We, we get to the point of whatever the transaction is. So I think that's what we can take from that. And what's awesome to see is that you have come from multiple cultures. You've had multiple jobs. I think one of your most random jobs was, weren't you managing a golf golf range? Yeah, so the first time I ever got fired, I was actually the tractor driver at a golf driving tractor range. Driver, was, that's right. Yeah, and I was picking up golf balls in this tractor, and it was an old, like, putt-putt diesel, right? Okay. And anyway, it got, bought, it got bought out, the golf driving range, and I got fired from a tractor job. And I'll never forget my mate <laughs> told me, my mate from school goes, don't worry, Jimmy, your first retrenchment's always the hardest. It gets easier after that. And I was like, oh, thanks, mate. I'm glad I got it out of the system when I was like yeah. 17. <laughs> anyway, it was the same guy that owned the driving range was the same guy that got me my first job when I was the same friend that got me a job when I was out of university and there was no work. Uh, so this guy, oh, I mentioned his name, Brad him. Green. Okay, shout out. Yeah, Brad Green actually helped me out twice. He got me a job at the golf driving range with his old man that owned it and he got me a job in manufacturing yeah. which was my interim job before I entered shipping. Uh, so I actually went to his old man and I was like, Brucey, Brucey, I've just been fired. I'm out of work. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, mate. You know, it's uh, it's really tough, but just doesn't make any financial sense. We're paying a tractor driver like $52 an hour on Sundays with double wages. Yeah. And the kid's only 15, right? <laughs> it's like more money than the accountants were earning back then. And I just I was like, come on, Bruce, you got to help me out. I'm a, I'm a punter, son. I'll do anything. I'll mow the lawn. And so a couple of weeks later, calls, and then his son calls me up and he's like, yeah, Dad just said you could come work as a manager and now <laughs> you've been promoted. You see, that's how it's done. So I've gone home and I was, and my dad's like, wait, you got fired, rehired, and then promoted. Let's, let's take this story, right, because it's quite funny. So then the same thing happens with when I'm leaving Melbourne and going to Perth. I've got a, I've got a substantial pay rise, right, huge pay rise. So I called up my dad again, and he's like, let me get this straight, son. He said, the whole entire office has just been fired. You have had your job on the line for three years, and you've somehow managed to get a pay rise of 50 grand. And then he starts laughing on the phone. He goes, how bloody good is this country, son? How good is this country? I'm glad I came from Scotland. He goes, no matter what happens for the rest of your life, he goes, after your golf driving range experience, and after that experience, he goes, my hat's off to you. I'm a proud father. (laughs) Just see what happens with the rest of your life. Good luck, mate. You see, how you've tied it all together, man, the university background, the adversity with the dot-com bubble and all that, you are using your fighter skills you're asking questions. You're you're reaching out to people. I mean, that, the way you spoke to Scotty when you're telling him, you know, I, I I'll do anything. Get that that you have that audacity to you, and that is paying dividends now. So I think that's giving the audience enough to really realize, be true to yourself, but also, you know, what what have you got to lose? Just be respectful, but like. Tell people what's going on with you, the inner person. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, it ties back to what you were saying about friendship, your friendship base. I've had yourself that's uh, seen me from an ideological, going to change the world university student through some 
tough times and um, and sort of coming out. But you are, you know, you're part of the world. You're part of the real world now, and you're making. And you know what? It's just the beginning because I know that when that you will give back. I mean, you are giving back. You give back with with the joy you give on on the, on the airwaves. But also, I know that you are going to be building something, and you're really someone to watch for the future. So no, I, I just, it. you know, I'm I'm rooting for you all the way. I, I want to. I think that we we've got what we need to to really get people with the ideas um, on how they can progress. Yeah, I want to turn to our fun quiz. Are you ready to get a bit random? Because I think people will learn a bit more about you. Absolutely. And 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 to summarise for the people, I would say that no matter what it is that you've gone through, mm-hmm. no matter what adversities you've gone through, yep. no matter what, what financial status that you had, you got to just keep going. Tell a young person, tell a person that doesn't work, tell whomever it is, right, short bit of advice. This is it. My father taught it to me. The most important thing to remember, without talent and hard work, you're a peasant. (laughs) With talent, you're a prince. And with talent and hard work, you're a king. So you find your talent. Maybe you don't know what it is, but then hard work is going to get you to the top. And for those that are living in countries with a smaller population, I know I I am literally international trade. Like the world doesn't exist. If if I don't get up and do my job, the world stops. Mm -hmm. Literally the world stops, which is quite scary because there's only a couple of thousand of us doing it. But anyway, uh, hard work and just keep working. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. it, it, and, and have pride in what you do. If you're an opera singer, work hard. If you want to be a radio, work hard. If your job is to go in and to serve people coffee, work hard. But you just got to work harder. And if you're from a country with a small population, you've got to outwork the others and you've got to outthink them to the best of your ability because you're competing against people whose whole life, they weren't competing against one or two people, for that job, they were competing against 10,000 or 100,000. Mm, exactly. And that's the mentality you need to take wherever it is in the world you go, you meet. We live in multicultural societies unless you're living in Kabul and Afghanistan where it's sort of one ethnicity, but you, you, you listen, you're dealing with multiple people, multiple ideas, multiple background, multiple genders, multiple histories. You've got to work hard and you've got to have a common courtesy when you meet someone to say, my name is James. My name's Jimmy. What's your name? Tell me about yourself. I want to learn about you. And then once you get that, the rest will fall in place. Awesome. So, all right, bro. Let's okay, go so, to the fun times, man. So, let's have some fun. All yeah, right. Woo-hoo! Okay. Here we go. Seatbelts on. <laughs> okay. Uh, what is your favorite childhood breakfast cereal? Nutri-Grain. And I once bought, they gave you this free bowl, which was the champion size. (laughs) (laughs) And in hindsight, it was just the most astronomical amount of Nutri-Grain. But I was like, you know what? I'm a champion. I'm going to eat it. The thing took, bro. It's an Iron Man. Like That's what you're an Iron Man champion. Yeah, Iron Man champion. It took me three and a half uh, hours or something to get through. It was just a monstrosity. Really? Huh. I didn't, I didn't realize that there was so much sugar in Nutri-Grain. It's not that good for you, no. <laughs> it's not really like – because you 
Yeah, it's for a triathlon. Bro, 90s, the 90s, they were like Nutri-Grain is the bomb. It's really healthy for you. Now you're older, you're like, I was at a perpetual sugar high for like 10 years of my life. No wonder I was running yeah. around like a rampant, I actually know. think there's more sugar in that than the other ones. I think Nutri-Grain was like one of the worst ones. Maybe maybe Fruit Loops is worse than that, right, for sugar. Yeah, content. I think fruit, fruit, Loops, fruit Loops now, you know. I mean, yeah. dentists won't want to bend because it's good living for No, no, it's good for the dentist. What, what, what is a breakfast these days? Uh, it's a mix, mate. So it's uh, basically a do uh, muesli. I do the old uh, croissant, like the ham cheese croissant. Mm-hmm. Occasionally porridge in the winter months. And then uh, I like toasties, actually, because I- I'm not a morning person. So a toasty for those uh, is a, a like a cheese... We sometimes call it a jaffle in Australia, but it's like a toasted cheese sandwich. Is that right? Yeah. So basically, toasties would be like toast, and then it's just you put it in the middle, whatever you want. That can be like traditionally it was like ham, cheese, tomato, but now in this new age of fine dining, Ooh, it's grilled all peppers stuff, and 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 yeah, tuna, jalapenos, mm, ooh, jalapeno, like fresh, ooh, yeah. from, fresh, fresh from the southern province of the Amazon, trinkets or whatever. Like <laughs> I mean, who knows? <laughs> Yeah, magic powder just like, yeah, yeah, who knows? But yeah, so that's okay, that. I like that. I like that. Like a savory start to and the coffee. day. Coffee, coffee, yeah, coffee every morning. Mm-hmm. Um, first thing they do, and uh, yeah, that goes hand in hand with a whole bunch of tunes and music. And I, I, I really have to sort myself up, so I can't be too full. I've got to just have enough to tie me over to lunch. My favorite meal of the day is dinner. I, I just, I, okay. I live for dinners. Uh, <laughs> And then you pull through, mate. <laughs> so, who is your favourite historical figure? And, and if you met them, what would you ask them? I would like to meet Jesus, and I'd ask, when are you coming back to sort this out? <laughs> He's taking a break, is he? I just, I, there's, I would, I won't go into religion, but I think Jesus is one of the greatest socialist revolutionaries in history. So I'd really like to meet him and, and just say, I think that you were trying to make a better world. Like, I think that was your core aim. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, you know, like, there's a lot of bad stuff happened under your name and a lot of good stuff. And How does he think about tell, all that? Talk, <laughs> yeah, talk to me. Talk to me. Tell me. Tell me what you think. Like, <laughs> and, and just give me that, like, raw spiritual emotion in in, in conversation and and also like how how would you as that talk to the the people of of different backgrounds and different thinking and and like different churches and like like how do you deal with it you know like i, I i'd really just love to just have that nice. that conversation with him yeah. um you know, he can sort out who gets into heaven. I'm not going to be like Lawton Hopkins of the blues song saying, I'm going to build me a heaven in cahoots with Jesus. You know, he can sort everything out of the outer world order and everything like that. I just want to have a, have a, a just conversation. And who wants more admin anyway? So, I mean, it's hard <laughs> enough trying to pay tax every exactly, year and remember exactly. what it is you're doing, right? So, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. I like that answer. Um, okay, guilty pleasure, food or drink? Do we want to do food and drink or food Yeah, yeah, or yeah, drink? whatever you like. Okay, so my guilty pleasure for food is uh, definitely kebabs. Mm. Um, oh, I love and, – and, and truth be told, I live right next to, I reckon, one of the best kebab shops in, in Australia. It's just – Alto's kebabs is just unbelievable. Uh, and also ice cream. And in particular, I like the kind of like the mixture. I like getting into mixtures of ice cream, you know, mm. as well. 
And then drinks, the first taste, the first sip of beer on a hot day, uh, and also the Scottish side, which is whiskey. I mean, it's like I said, I'm, I'm trying to get healthier. You know, even though I'm, as I'm chatting to you, I'm having a beer, drinking a beer while having a chat. But generally, I'm trying to get healthier. But I could probably drink whiskey just all the time. If they turned around and said, hey, you know what, whiskey, it's not going to kill you. It's good for you. It's the same as drinking water. Then yeah, but otherwise, it's got to stay a guilty pleasure. Unfortunately, you like it. You like it peaty or? Nah, just I like it all, man. Oh, <laughs> like like it I all. said, Scottish <laughs> Scottish father. I just like it all. And 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 again, it's kind of fascinating with the alcohol that because there's so much drinking in my job, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like we'll do like I've easily done ten to fourteen hour sessions a lot like 10 hours straight drinking. I'm not talking like you have a beer and then you wait. Like I'm talking bang, 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 whiskeys, bang, bang. Um, and I noticed, uh, you know, we're talking about guilty pleasures. Even though it's a guilty pleasure, I noticed my genetics, half being half Polish, half Scottish and Australian. <laughs> yeah, yeah my tolerance, tolerance is just unbelievable. Pretty dangerous combo. Bro, it's unbelievable. Olympic standard. It is. I'm not the staying bold of the drinking world. If you give me a couple of glasses of water, which is secretly, if, if you ever get into a profession where you need to entertain, always drink water. That's your tip. Like that's, okay. You, you heard can it here. a little bit tipsy. Yeah, that's your tip for those long sessions. Drink water Very and nice. then you, you can go as long as you want. Okay. But, yeah, it's amazing how, you know, you, other, you see other people's guilty pleasures, you know. We can't – again, it's a Disney channel. We can't really go into it. No, but we The cannot. work that I do, you after our nine-year gap and whatever, we can go into it. But yeah. you also see um, with the work that I do because you're the middleman and you've got to keep your lips kind of shut, there's a lot of guilty pleasures that happen behind okay. the scenes as well. And it's interesting to see – how uh, how different people have different things. What's your guilty pleasure out of interest? Oh, there's too many. There's too many. Uh, I like um, fried chicken. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. like Korean fried chicken? They're nailing the fried chicken. At the they moment. are Koreans. pretty good, I have to say. I do like that. Or brisket. I, I just like good barbecue, to be honest. And and, and a milkshake with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. really good. I One feel day. like when you yeah. got that much meat, you need the milk. Yeah, yeah. You need to cut through the – yeah, the sh- and the sugar helps cut through the fat. But the thing is, I'm off sugar at the moment, so don't remind me of these things. Okay, so let's go, <laughs> let's go with the next one. Um, okay, simple answers here. Chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, or matcha? Pick one. I don't even know what matcha is. What's matcha? You know, green tea powder. Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, maybe I was if I was in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, I'd be on the matcha stuff, but mm-hmm. probably vanilla. Vanilla, okay. Nice, nice. Vanilla. Yeah. Very good. Okay, yes or no, pineapple on a pizza? Absolutely yes. And if you say no, well, it's going to be fisties. You know that. You know that. You know I don't like pineapple on my pizza. Um, because you and I are best friends, I can say it comes to fisties. <laughs> it's fine. You can have my pineapples. You can have my pineapple. I I love pineapple. I, I love pineapple. Brilliant. But I just don't think it belongs on a pizza. What do you mean it doesn't belong on a pizza? Like as soon as it hits, it like goes with everything else, and then your mouth or your palate, if you want to be upper class, your palate <laughs> just is like, oh yeah, this is it. This is right it. And then you finish right. You walk out the restaurant or you're walking around house, your house. I just want to cheeky fist pump people. Like, I'm so happy. I just want to walk around and either just be like, you're just an awesome person. I don't even know. You're an awesome person because I've had pineapple on my pizza. Yeah, I love oh, it, bro. Okay. You know what? That probably describes you. You're a solid, happy man 
And that describes a pineapple. So th- there you go. No wonder you like it on a pizza. <laughs> have you ever have you ever embellished on a CV? Absolutely. Give yeah, us absolutely. An, tell, us how. tell us how. Because you have your core – and people that try to tell you they don't embellish on the CV, it's like get the violin and play me a tune, mate. Everyone does it. And where they do it is you – you do it on like you know you got like your extra achievements, so it's like um, and then also with your job description. Like if you're writing, let's say the golf driving range, you're not gonna be like I was a manager of the golf driving range for six years and it was great. You're gonna be like how good you were at accounting, you were meeting mm-hmm. deadlines, and then you were running staff, even though the staff was a 15 year old kid that was just driving the tractor for two hours. Mm. And, yeah, so you build on that, of course. You said, and then you really. Oh, I'm really good at networking and I'm really good at teamwork and it's all those things because I worked in HR for a couple of months as well, right? So okay. it's also that, you, you know, know about I had CV to read, reading. Oh, I spent two months just reading CVs all the time. So you learned a few things. You learned, you learned what worked, what didn't work. I got also angry, truth be told. Oh, wow. Because it's like you just read so much like just garbage. So you can read the garbage. What you're saying is it's visible. The garbage you can't you can't put too too much garbage in there. Yeah, and it's like, and then it's also it's also the way that people like kind of present it, and then people like go, oh, I'm not going to embellish my CV because the current the current craze is to have it in real short point for like there's crazes on CV, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. there's like it's like fashion. It's like all of a sudden we're not writing and embellishing it, we're giving it in point forms. We're not doing this whatever, yeah, yeah. but yeah, and then I, and you embellish on your sport and you embellish on your whatever it is that you did. So absolutely, yes. Um, the way that I would do it would be cover letter. Then I would have the next thing. I know people say you don't use a cover letter, but I still do it. Yeah, episode, episode two. Yeah, I remember that. I found it very interesting we said no cover letter. And then yeah. I would do a like just sort of short little point form snapshot so okay. someone like me that's in hr reading it can just go yep okay monash university xyz amount of experience classically trained pianist soccer key debating blah 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 mm-hmm, okay mm-hmm. done and then if you want afterwards then you have a couple of pages afterwards that I okay. go into it but nice. yeah i think definitely definitely you have to embellish on it okay because at the end of the day what makes you different you know, I mean, we're, we're entering a world now where the employment is going to be based on so many other things. You know, it's not going to be based on necessarily mm-hmm. who you are. It's going to be based on what you are and, and where you came from and, and everything else. And, and we're heading we're heading that way, I think. What do we got here? Ah, which animal would you want to be for a day? Uh, if I was going to go domestic, I'd like to be a dog. I think being a dog would be amazing. Okay. Like they just get pampered. You just sleep the whole day. You chill out. You know, your owner comes back. You're just really happy. He, he, she, they is happy to see you. Or I guess it would be a racehorse, Melbourne Cup. Oh, wow. Love the Melbourne Cup. Love the Melbourne Cup. I'd love to be Maccabi Diva. All right. Look at that. For a day. Riding around and coming around the bend at Flemington. And you got that straight, right hand side, all the people, and then just the. Yeah, you got your blinkers on, finish line, okay. and you're trying to get up. You want the sound speed. of the punters. Okay, he wants yes, speed. He wants, speed. He wants speed and a cheer from the crowd. Very yeah, nice. Yeah, absolutely. Either nice. either I'm going to be a domesticated dog relaxing, or I'm going the complete opposite, and I've just got the need for speed. Beautiful. I like that. Okay, so if you could be 
any occupation for a day, what would you want to do? What would you want to try? I would want to be on Sway's Universe in America as a co-host and being a radio DJ. Awesome. Yeah. I would, uh, that would be... Uh, I get that. I get that ambition, yeah. And I, and I, and I think that if, if I was to ever leave shipping, you always have your I wish ideas, right? But mm-hmm. then reality kicks in. But if I could get a job in commercial radio, probably even in the States because I like kind of hip-hop and blues and funk and whatever, or just co-hosting with someone like Sway, then, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm packing my bags, telling, telling the folks there's my new contact details, add a plus one. I'm off. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Tell yeah. me, tell me, uh, you've so. given a lot of these uh, in the interview, but just quickly, one line of advice, one line, tough one, tough line for you. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's tough to give one, isn't it? Yeah. One line of advice for a satisfied life. Just give it a punt. Just give it a solid punt. All right, a punt for those uh, out there. Uh, just give it a go. Just give it a go. I mean, what? and I, just what I mean by that, when you say just give it a punt, it means just try your best. Give it everything you got. Very nice. And 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 what yeah. are you watching at the moment? Are you watching any shows that we need to know about? I wish I could say that I was, but I I read an enormous amount. So I read two to three books uh, a week. So what should we be reading right now? Well, I mean, it depends. If you like biographies, I really liked Phil Nixon, which is the Shoe Dog. That was mm-hmm. a really great book that I really liked. Uh, if you want something about refugees, then. Christy Lefty, the bookkeeper of Aleppo, is really interesting as well. Uh, if you want sort of like an older English comedy, yeah. comedic book, I was reading Tom Sharp, Porterhouse Blues, uh, History, Gun, Germs and Steel by Jared Diamond. And for something really different from Japan, uh, Thirst for Love by Yukio Mishima, um, which is, yeah, it was that was an interesting book. I just finished it. It was about this a widow living in a Japanese village and it's like just kind of the thoughts that goes through her head about life but it was sort of very oh, yeah. philosophical as well yeah so okay I just sort of really just enjoy reading and I'm going to go on to a bit of business now with good strategy bad strategy and then after that I think I'm on to the uh, reading about the Celts or the Celts 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 the Celts it's, yeah yeah because there's this like it's the same with the Sumerians. Like, there's certain civilizations in the world where it's like they contributed so much. Oh, yeah, that history yeah. Actually, did, it's a good link making really... that between the Sumerians yeah. and the Celts. They both yeah. had such a broad uh, expansion in their regions. Yeah, but but no one really puts it into the history. You know, it's like um, well, not enough. Yeah. Yeah, it's like sort of the great Malian empires as well that were mm. like the richest in the world and, and, and people don't really sort of write about them or the Moroccan scholars that were travelling throughout, you know. So a, a lot of, uh, yeah, history. But yeah, I also great. try to put business in, strategy, how to read people, um, how to get the best out of people and, and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, Good. and then TV, uh, I, I mean, I listen to your podcast, uh, Truth Be Told, and then oh. I watch a bit of uh, Sway's Universe and... There's a show called Drinks Champs, which is just good fun, uh, with a rapper called Noriega and DJ Envy, and it's it's a bit loud and raucous, and yeah, it's it's good fun to watch, but it's a little bit crazy. Awesome. Well, you've given audience gems, and you've given them a lot of homework to do with the books, so that was awesome. James, Jimmy, my friend, love you. Thanks for coming on the show. We will speak very soon. 
But thanks again for, for sharing your story with us. Absolute pleasure, comrade. And once again, if anyone's got any questions, then uh, yeah, hit you up or hit me up at the Real LA 21 and we can continue the discussion from there. And uh, yeah, subscribe to Roberto's podcast because it's very hard promoting them. I know myself. Exactly. Thanks, man. Cool. Hero to the guru. See you, mate. Bye. Bye. So much to digest there. You know, a powerful thought from James that really hit me was the following. Who am I? What can I build on? And let's ditch the utopian view of the world. It's so true. You know, life is tough for everyone. We just got to get on with it. Look, that's it from me. Next week, we're going to hear from someone I would definitely call one of my mentors. He is a psychology graduate who went on to have a fruitful opera career in Australia, and now he's based in Vienna, Austria, making a whole new career for himself as an executive voice coach. Don't forget to follow us on our socials. All our links and listening apps can be accessed on our link tree at Nine Year Gap. Stay safe, everyone, and keep that conversation going. Bye. Bye.